Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Before we begin with tonight's story, just a few quick reminders. First is that I am now taking submissions for kids and teen stories for this year's kid and teen special episodes. You can send them to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Just remember to put kid or teen story in the subject line and let me know your child's age and what name you'd like me to refer to them by. It can be first and last name, first name, last initial. You can make up a name. It's totally fine. Safety is key. So whatever you'd like me to say, I will say. Deadline is September 30th. It's coming up soon. So get those in those submissions in. I don't know what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> I've already got quite a few, so um, I'm I'm super stoked to see how many I'll get. I actually wasn't sure how many I would get this year because, you know, for obvious reasons, everything is shut down. You know, everyone is up in the air. Parents are having a tough time. Kids are having a tough time. Teens are having a tough time. We're all having a tough time. So I totally understood if I wasn't going to get as many, and they might not be as long of episodes this year, I will say, but I'm super excited that they've already come rolling into my email. So yay. Second is just a reminder that the show is moving to Spotify by October 8th. Scary to Sleep will be Spotify exclusive. I have so many goodies coming up for you too. Like I will be coming out with a Halloween themed guided nightmare right here on the main feed. That's going to be the first guided nightmare on the main feed since the first guided nightmare. I'm so excited and I feel like there's probably a whole slew of new listeners out there who haven't heard the guided nightmares because Patreon is gone now and you can't even access them right now, even if you wanted to. And don't worry, I'm figuring all of that out too. Also, the kids and teens episodes will be over on Spotify as well as the exclusive episodes. So those are just a few of the great things you can look forward to when I settle into my new home over at Spotify. Also remember the show will be completely free to listen to on Spotify. I was a free Spotify user for years until about a year ago when I went premium. And honestly, both versions of the app are amazing and I cannot wait to see you there. Now on to tonight's story. I apologize if you hear honking. That's the elote guy outside my window, and um, I love him to death. I was trying to find a window to uh, record this intro, because I have the entire episode done, except for the intro and outro, and it was construction workers all day on the roof next door, and I was like, okay, intro's real quick, we're gonna find a window, and now he's here, it's fine, we're all fine, it's cool. Um, (laughs) So... I apologize if that noise is bothersome. This was just the only time I could find so I could get the show out on time because it's already 6 p.m. We have another full-length story this week. Author Nicole Bishop Her has built a beautiful world that I, I honestly wish I could get lost in. I've already written to her and told her I need to know more about the woman in this story. And... This is a not, if you've been looking for a non-gory episode, if you've been needing a break from gore, I know I've had a few that were pretty bloody and squishy lately and existentially terrifying. This is going to be a nice, very supernatural kind of, I don't want to say a break, but you know, it's, it's a little different than, it's a little of a different speed than I've been going at lately. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I present to you the Bella Rose Hounds.
it had been common knowledge for generations that Miss Bellarose was a little strange. No one was quite sure exactly what had happened or why she was so odd, and it wasn't something people usually talked about too much. She came up in conversation every once in a while, and I grew up believing the whole town was terrified of the poor old woman. I didn't know too much about her, but I had always been fascinated with the woman. This was due, in part, to her being our only neighbor for about half a mile, and an old framed photograph in our dining room of Miss Bella Rose and my great-grandfather Henry. We lived in a historic town called Burley, just off the coast. The hill our houses sat on overlooked the brownstone town below us, and on a good day, we could nearly see the ocean in the other direction. My great-grandfather Henry worked for Miss Bellarose's father, Benjamin Augustus Bellarose Twelfth. Everyone in town always said Mr. Bellarose was the seventh son of a seventh son, but no one was really sure. I had always chalked it up to being an old wives' tale. Mr. Bellarose Sr., his father, had built their house. Everyone knew they had lots of money and owned half the town, My great-grandfather Henry and Ben Seven were the best of friends in the early 1900s, and that's how my family got their fortune. My great-grandfather and Ben Seven made Burley into the lovely little town it was, and almost 200 years later, the town still celebrated my great-grandfather's birthday. I remember standing in the dining room, staring at the picture of my great-grandfather and Miss Bella Rose, and being so jealous that she had known him. Henry Peabody had a grave in the local cemetery, but his body wasn't actually there. He had gone off in a boat off the coast and never returned, decades before I was even thought of. It was only a few years after my grandfather was born and his wife was widowed at only 25, It was the saddest story in my whole family. I'd stare at the picture, and then I'd wait at the window and hope to see Miss Bellarose out feeding her hounds. She must have had two dozen out behind her house. On the last Tuesday of every month, I'd watch Miss Bellarose leave her house and walk down her lane into town to the newspaper office. As far back as I can remember, she put an ad in the paper looking for hired help to help tend to her house and hounds. My grandmother told me she had been doing it as far back as she could remember too, but nary a soul had ever answered the ad. The newspaper stopped charging her for the ad sometime in the late 80s, feeling sorry for the old woman. Miss Bella Rose had never had a mailbox put up at the old mansion and refused telephone service. I figured she probably had no use for the internet or cell phones either. We never saw her much, except for when she went to the newspaper office, when she was feeding her hounds, or when she had groceries delivered at her doorstep. She never answered the door for the grocery man, but he pulled the chain and we could hear the massive bell ring in our living room and her hounds would howl every time. She'd wait until he left and was all the way down her lane before she opened her door and shuffled in the groceries. 
The only time we ever saw her answer the door was when the grocery man had taken ill and the groceries were delivered by a lady. They talked on her porch for quite a while before Miss Bellarose took her groceries inside. I always figured she must be so lonely. My mother would pull me away from the window when I was really little and she'd tell me I was being a peeping Pam and it wasn't kind to watch people when they didn't know you were watching. By the time I was 16 and hadn't given up on watching Miss Bella Rose, my mother stopped worrying over it so much. I always found it so curious that our families were steeped in history together, but we never made any motion to check and see if the old lady was alright. We just went about our lives as if she didn't really exist, a mere hundred yards from our own front door. By the time I graduated high school and started at the local university, just a town over, my grandmother and my father had passed away. It was just me and my mother in our house. I was always looking for some way to get away. I remember it clearly, just as if it were yesterday. I sat in the dining room at the window, daydreaming about my great-grandfather being lost at sea, when I remembered it was the last Tuesday of the month. I turned around in my seat and stared over the hill at Miss Bellrose's mansion. The giant dilapidated home was in shambles. The paint peeled along the siding, and the roof looked more like a moss garden than shingles. Her yard was brown and overgrown in places, and I imagined it must have been so lovely in its prime. Just a short while later, Miss Bellarose appeared on her porch in a long powder blue dress with her hair tied back behind a scarf. She moseyed down her lane, and I watched as her little feeble figure disappeared into the town. I made up my mind right then, and there wasn't anyone in the world who would be able to change it. I ran upstairs and powdered my face, checked my phone to see if I had any notifications, and then I ran out and sat by the window and waited for Miss Bella Rose to come back home. I watched her amble up the driveway to her mansion, slowly and steadily until she reached the door. She stopped at her front porch and turned to look out over the hill. She spent a good few minutes just staring off over the town before she went inside. I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. With each breath I took, I could hear my heart beat faster and faster. <sighs> Today was the day. I jumped up out of the chair and thought maybe I should leave my phone at home. I wasn't sure what kind of newfangled technology Miss Bellrose was used to, and I'm sure she had no interest in Facebook or Twitter. I placed my phone on the table by the door and made my way out the door and across the overgrown path that used to connect our yards. The little white fence loomed before me, the gate unlocked as it had been for generations. The yellow rose bushes that lined our side of the fence flourished, sweet yellow blossoms as big as saucers up and down the fence. I opened the gate and peered at the brown stems and rotten leaves of what were once white roses lining the fence on the other side. Without any hesitation, I made my way up the path to the door and pulled the great chain hanging on the porch. The bell tolled twice and the hounds howled from the backyard. 
I waited patiently as anxiety started to overwhelm me. I'm not sure how long had passed when the massive wooden door pulled inward with a creak. Hello? She said, and if I hadn't been listening intently, I would have thought her voice was only the hinges of the door creaking again. Oh, hello, I said jovially. I'm here to answer your ad in the paper. I stepped forward just a little, but stepped back awkwardly as Miss Bellarose made no move to open the door any further. I stared at her, my jaws starting to hurt from smiling at her. She was old and frail, but oddly very beautiful. Her skin was thin as paper and pulled taut against her high cheekbones and rigid jaw. I suddenly felt silly for believing her to be small, for now that I was standing before her, I realized she was a whole head taller than myself. The newspaper ad? Her words came slowly, unsure. It was almost as if her voice had disappeared from disuse. Yes, ma'am. My name is Eleanor Peabody. I live next door. I stepped back and forth on my left and right foot from nervousness. Oh, my, my word, she uttered, stepping back and pulling the door inwards with her. Oh, oh, do come in. Oh, how wonderful to meet you. Oh, how beautiful you are, sweetly. Oh, do come in, she exclaimed, her face suddenly glowing and radiant. I noticed as she smiled she had all her teeth, something I found remarkable for a woman her age. Would you like some tea? I've just made a fresh pitcher. Oh, and don't mind him, he's a peach. She nodded toward a large dog, staring me down from the corner. She moved with such briskness from the parlor to the kitchen, I couldn't help but be amazed. The dog was massive, with big yellow eyes rimmed with black fur. His coat was gray and white all over, except for around his eyes. Uh, is, is he a wolf? I asked, hoping my curiosity wasn't unwarranted as I followed Miss Bellarose to her kitchen. I tried hard not to look around me, but I was instantly consumed by the lavish interior. I had always been fascinated by antiques, and the Bellarose Mansion was like a museum. The wallpaper, though peeling in places, looked like it was the same wallpaper from a century ago. The parlor had been decked out in innately carved sofas with velvet cushions and huge paintings adorned the walls. The kitchen sat off to the back of the house and in the middle sat a grand butcher block with a huge indention in the middle from generations of use. The whitewashed cabinets were fading and worn, and two of the doors hung off their hinges. It was like a tomb of the Victorian era, untouched all these years. Oh, dearie, no, he's not really a wolf, just a mutt like the rest of my hounds. Let's have a sit in the dining room, and you can take a gander at what I need to have done around here. And you can tell me a little bit about yourself, 
and we'll have some tea. Miss Bellarose uttered as she grabbed an ice bucket from her freezer with a pitcher in her other hand. She waltzed into the formal dining room, and again, my breath was taken away by the gorgeous dining room table and chairs. The room itself was enormous, with seating for at least a dozen people, and huge windows from the floor to the top of the cathedral ceiling. The light from the afternoon lit up the house, and I realized there was no need for light bulbs in a place like this. She plucked ice from the bucket and plopped it into the glasses and poured the tea. Then sat down at the end of the table. I sat in the chair closest to her and watched as the hound lay down at her feet. Henry, she said, almost whispering. You look so like your great-grandfather Henry. He was a looker. She smiled, and I could have sworn her cheeks flushed, but it was gone just as soon as I noticed. Well, I am an old woman, you see, and I have this big old house and all these hounds. I'm just looking for someone to help me tidy up a little bit and feed my dogs once a day. The problem is, sweetling, I've... I've also got too much money for one little old lady. She took a sip of her iced tea and sat down her glass, wiping her lips with a linen handkerchief. I wasn't really certain where she was going with that, so I just smiled and hoped she would go on. If you are interested, I would pay you $500 a week to come help me out and I'll be needing help for uh, at least the rest of forever. (laughs) She laughed a little and took another sip of her tea. I was certain I hadn't heard her correctly. (laughs) Five hundred dollars a week, I said. My heart beat so loud I couldn't hear anything else. That's what I said. She smiled. I couldn't breathe. All this time, all those years of her putting in that ad that no one answered, and here I was, being offered $500 a week to help her out a little bit. It was just my mother and me, and things had been tough with that big house of ours and me trying to go to university. This was a blessing if I had ever seen one. When can I start? I said. And she laid her hand on mine and said, Well, why not today? And so, time went on like this. I'd wake up and go to class at the university and come straight home to Miss Bellarose's mansion. First, I'd go out back and feed her hounds. Once a day, every day, she would come out back too, and she'd open all their cages and... They would run free through her yard up and down the hill. She must have had two dozen hounds, and I swore they were wolves, and she swore they were mutts. All our neighbors had always assumed she was a dog breeder. One day I noticed all the hounds were males, and that a dog breeder couldn't have just male dogs, but 
I was far more interested in what wonders her mansion had to offer. I started with getting rid of the clutter. It seemed over the years, Miss Bellarose had amassed an impressive amount of old books, magazines, and had an odd infatuation with butter containers. When I got through the first layer of clutter, I started to go through and dust. The first thing to come down were the curtains in all the rooms. The mansion was an amazing sight to behold, all lit up during the day. In the parlor, I found tucked away in the corner a gramophone in pristine condition. Miss Bellarose found me in such excitement she bustled out of the parlor and came back a few minutes later with a great chest full of old records. As the days wore on, we became great friends. I spent most of my time with the old woman. I'd tell her of my life outside the mansion, and she'd listen and giggle like one of my twenty-or-something friends. She'd ask me who was courting me, and would blush when I'd tell her how dating worked in the 21st century. A few months had gone by, and I swore that the crook in Miss Bellarose's back was straightening out, and her eyes were brighter than ever. We'd go through old photographs, and she'd point out prominent figures from Burley over the last few generations. There wasn't a single television in any of the 14 rooms of the mansion, but her library bore more stories than Netflix could pretend to offer me. I spent hours in her library, and tucked away in her books, I always found pressed rose petals and flower buds. I once happened upon a love letter with a rosebud pressed flat into its pages. Oh, Miss Belrose, look! This is just the sweetest thing! I gently pulled the letter from the pages of the book and handed it to her, still folded. She pulled the rose up to her nose and closed her delicate eyelids as she smelled it. A sad smile touched her face, and she unfolded the letter with her knobby fingers. I watched as her eyes moved over the letter, and tears filled her eyes. She pulled her glasses off and wiped her eyes with a handkerchief and handed the letter back to me. I placed it back in the book and put it back on the shelf. Pretty soon, the house was cleaned up and the hounds were the happiest mongrels I'd ever seen. One of the hounds had taken a particular liking to me and I'd always let him out first. He'd follow me around as I fed the others and stayed by my side all the while I cleaned up the house. Miss Bellarose had never bothered to name the hounds, and I was far too interested in the library to ever ask her why. When the house was all tidied up, she decided there wasn't much else to do. Why don't we go out for a bite to eat? She said to me one afternoon as we sat on the front porch drinking tea. (laughs) Why don't we? I smiled. The change in Miss Bellarose had been remarkable. Oftentimes, I had to remind myself this woman was old enough to be my grandmother, at least. Her skin was pulled tight across her face. The only wrinkles were those just around her eyes and lips. Her hands were the oldest part of her, I think, knobby and bent from arthritis. She never complained of any pain, and I had never seen her take any kind of medication. She was remarkable. I pulled my car from around the house, and she got in on the passenger side. You ever been in one of these contraptions, Miss Bellarose? I giggled as she strapped herself in. Oh, maybe one of the old jalopies. She giggled and pulled her hat on her head a little straighter. 
For the next few months, we'd go on outings. We'd have brunch in downtown and go to the antique stores. She'd find something she owned and would giggle in delight at the price people would pay for silly things like baking soda bottles. She was a hoot, and everyone in town was always happy to see her. We'd go out for lunch and dinner on the same day, and she'd tip our server the same as whatever our check was. One day, she said she wanted to go out to the shopping mall in the next town over to see what all the fuss was about. I swore to myself that this lady was the same lady I met. But there started to be a real change in her. I tried to deny it at first, but soon other people were starting to catch on, and I couldn't deny it any longer. The woman was younger. Her back was straight, her eyes were bright, her skin was radiant and glowing. The long hair she kept tied back in a tight bun seemed fuller. I'd catch myself staring at her, and I'd shake my head. The transformation was uncanny. Pretty soon, she looked so much younger, we started telling everyone she was Miss Bellarose's daughter, Augustine, here for a visit. It was all curious, but I had grown to love the woman dearly, and I found myself proud of the transformation. Let's go through the attic and see what wonders we can find, she announced one Saturday afternoon. We headed up the steps to the attic, which I presumed hadn't been opened in at least 50 years or better. The door was stuck, but she gave it a good pull, and it opened towards us with a dust cloud and the sweet smell of junk that had been sitting for years. I was positively overwhelmed by excitement. The attic was full to the brim of boxes and old chests, overflowing with generations upon generations of memories. She made her way over to a chair in the corner, preserved by an inch thick of dust. She sat with a puff of dust and giggled as she pulled a chest over to her. Oh, the twenties, she said, opening the chest and pulling a vintage dress to her chest. She smiled, and I could almost see the memories dancing behind her eyelids. The nineteen twenties? I asked, trying to figure out just how old she really was. She didn't answer me, but pulled out the clothing from the chest. She dusted off a floor-length mirror and would hold a dress up to her form, then throw it at me to try it on. This, my dear, she'd say as she threw a hat in my direction. I pulled the great windows open and pulled an electric fan up the steps in hopes of blowing out some of the dust. We rifled through the whole attic that day, and she brought a huge chest of clothes down to add to her rotation. We were packing things up for the day when we came across a box of old tintype photographs. I pulled open the box and reached in. Oh my goodness! Miss Bellrose, you look just like this woman! I held out one of the photographs for her to see. It was a young woman, sitting on a white rocking chair underneath a sycamore tree. She smiled wildly, and I was surprised since these photographs took so long to take. The dress she wore was long and lacy, and I guess she must have been Miss Bellarose's grandmother. My word, Miss Bellarose said as she took the picture into her hand. She pulled her left hand up to her cheek and held it. 
My word. She said again, as she knelt down to rifle through the box of photographs with me. She pulled the box closer to her, and pulled out a few more pictures. They were all of the same woman, I thought. She closed up the box, and we went downstairs for the day. We never did go back up in the attic after that day. But I always thought she must have just been sad from all the memories that were entombed up there. This house is falling down around me, I think, sweetling, she said to me one day. I was rubbing that particular hound's ears as I sat with him on the floor of the parlor. I looked around, observing what really might be falling down. The wallpaper had certainly seen better days. The floorboards were cracked and creaked. A few windows upstairs had spiderweb cracks through them, and the kitchen cabinets were still in a state of disarray. Well, I suppose that could be fixed, I said, hopping up. Let's head down into town and see if we can find someone to fix things up, why don't we? Miss Bellarose was already going for her hat by the time I was on my feet. I noticed she'd left her hair loose and flowing today, and I could have sworn it wasn't as gray as it used to be. We headed down to the local construction company, and she got an estimate on the work she needed done. Mr. Sherman happily took the job and said he'd send a team right away. There was a lot of work to be done to get the mansion back into its prime, and Mr. Sherman knew it. His team would be there for at least two years or better to get the work done. Just like he promised, a team of construction workers were there at the beginning of the week, and they started fixing things. The hounds didn't like them much, and Miss Bellarose told them to steer clear of the hounds while they were there. She kept them locked tight while the men were working, and would let them run free almost every night. A few months went by, and Miss Bellarose was more radiant than ever. Her hair hadn't a speck of gray in it. I checked the bathroom's trash cans for hair dye, but an empty box never turned up. Her hands were more youthful, and the knobs of arthritis were barely there. Sometimes I couldn't believe my eyes, but... I knew Miss Bellarose hadn't gone anywhere. Her voice was as clear as day, and she was almost as physically fit as myself. It was curious, but she paid me enough to not ask any questions. I noticed one afternoon, as I was washing the curtains, that one of the construction workers seemed to be paying more attention to her than before. His name was Blake, and I figured... He must have been maybe 10 or 15 years older than myself. He was tall and handsome and, as Miss Bellarose would say, built like a brick shit house. Every time she'd throw out one of those old southern phrases, I'd nearly die from laughter and she'd just giggle a little bit and sip on her iced tea. Blake really was a handsome man, though. He had to have been nearly six and a half feet tall with eyes as green as emeralds and he had long blonde hair he kept in a knot on the top of his head. You could watch the muscles move under his tanned arms as he worked, and we watched him work an awful lot. Miss Bellarose? I called to her from the kitchen, wondering if I should iron this set of curtains or steam them. Oh, Peach, why don't you call me Augustine? She said, 
as she came around the corner from the dining room. <laughs> Miss Bellrose just makes me feel so crotchety. She was wearing this sweet little white vintage dress from the attic, and she had her hair piled on top of her head. It was jet black, and little pieces fell down around her face. She wasn't wearing her glasses today, and it suddenly dawned on me that I didn't remember the last time she had. She was strikingly beautiful, and the sight of her almost took my breath away. So from that moment, I called her Augustine, and we went about town, and she said she was Miss Bellarose's granddaughter. We had become the best of friends, and I told her all of my secrets, and begged her to tell me all of hers. I spent more time with Augustine than with anyone else. After the construction team would leave, we'd run around the yard with the hounds and stay up late. She'd tell me stories of generations ago, and she'd laugh so loud the hounds would help. We'd drive to the beach on the weekends and bring a few of the hounds with us. During the week, we'd go out shopping and come home to check on the construction and go out again. Augustine? I said to her one afternoon. We sat in her boudoir. She was in one of her vintage dressing gowns and me in one she'd given me. She pulled a brush through my long auburn hair and I watched in the mirror as her dainty fingers threaded my hair into a braid. What's that, Peach? She said, silver eyes looking at mine in the mirror. Blake has a thing for you, I think. I grinned from ear to ear as I watched the color fill her cheeks. Oh, my word, Eleanor. She let go of my hair and pulled an armchair close to me and fell back into it gently. A thing? <laughs> she giggled helplessly. Well... I don't think I've had a man have a thing for me in decades. <laughs> she giggled and then sighed, looking out the window across the lawn to where Blake was replanting the white roses by the fence. His blonde hair, piled on top of his head in a bun, caught the sunlight. One of the hounds sitting at my feet sighed heavily, and another made his way in through her door. Do you really think so? Do you think he could love an old woman like me? She stood and looked at herself in the floor-length mirror, hand on her cheek. She let her hand slide down her neck and across her bosom, and down along her form. I laughed out loud at her, and the hound at my foot gave a little woof. <laughs> that settles it then. And so it went that Miss Augustine Bellarose found herself making eyes at Blake. I'd excuse myself to run errands and visit my own lover in town, and I'd make sure to give her time to herself. She got herself a phone at the local wireless store, and she'd phone me and I'd run over and we'd lay in her bed and she'd tell me all about how wonderful Blake was up into the wee hours of night. She was infatuated, I could see, Every day that she spent with the man, I swore her beauty would finally become so overbearing that she'd burst into flames like a phoenix. She was delightful in every way, and I loved her dearly. She'd phone me at midnight, and I'd run across the garden beds to her porch, and we'd have tea under the moonlight as the hounds howled at us. 
The townsfolk were talking, but we didn't care what they were saying. She'd go with Blake to the movie theater, and she took in all the wonderful delights of the 21st century. She still refused to get a television for the mansion, and I couldn't see why the mansion would ever need any more entertainment than the gramophone in the parlor. We'd push back all the furniture and roll up the carpet and lock up the hounds and invite Blake and my boyfriend over and we'd dance until we felt like our legs would fall off. The construction of the mansion was drawing to a close, and I had gone down into town to meet with my beau and give Mr. Sherman the last check from Miss Bellarose. I walked into the construction company office and waited patiently at the counter for Mr. Sherman to come out from the back of the shop. I pulled the check out of my purse and laid it up on the counter for Mr. Sherman. I started to get a little nervous after standing there for quite some time, so I yelled across the counter. Mr. Sherman? Are you there? It's Eleanor. I yelled into the shop. It was unusual for Mr. Sherman to not come straight to the counter when the bell from the door rang. I waited a few more moments and turned to go when I heard his footsteps behind me. Uh, Miss Peabody, he said, and I turned on my heel to face him. His face was as white as paper, and I instantly thought he must have fallen ill. Oh, Mr. Sherman, you look like you've been drug hard and put up wet. What's happened? Should I call someone? Instinctively, I pulled out my phone and started to dial 911. Oh, No, that's all right, Miss Peabody. Thank you for bringing this along. Does Miss Bellarose want a receipt? He didn't move to take the check, but left it sitting on the counter where I had laid it out. Oh, no, uh, that's okay. But are you sure there's nothing the matter? Just bad fish, I think, Mr. Sherman said. Then he turned to go back out to his shop. I thought no more of it, and I made my way over to the Bella Rose mansion. I made my way up the hill and looked at the beautiful house sitting before me, freshly painted and shingled. It was an amazing sight to behold, and I snapped a quick picture of it with my phone before heading up the steps. I never knocked anymore, and I made my way in the front door. Augustine! I yelled as I went inside. There wasn't any movement, and I stopped in the hall and tried to be quiet, listening just in case I was interrupting Augustine with company. Augustine? I said again, after hearing no movement in the house. Not even the hounds outside made a noise. I walked through the house, peering in all the rooms. Her boudoir door was shut, and I knocked on it gently. Augustine? I said quietly, thinking perhaps she must be sleeping. Oh, Peach. I heard from inside. I opened the door, and laying down on the floor next to her bed was a massive hound with snow-white fur. He looked up at me with the saddest eyes of any dog I'd ever seen, and those sad eyes were as green as emeralds. I felt my heart stop as I gazed at the mongrel, and I held my breath as I looked up at Augustine lying in bed. She was in her favorite white lace dressing gown, with her long hair braided down her neck. Oh, Peach, 
she said as I stepped into the room. I sat down in the armchair next to her bed and grasped her knobby hand in mine. The arthritis had returned and it looked more painful than before. I grasped her long braid in my hand and my fingers caught on the rough gray hair twisted into the braid. I looked up into her silver eyes, bloodshot from tears and rimmed with fine wrinkles. Her lips were dry and rough, and the skin was pulled so tight around her face, she looked like a skeleton laying there against her clean white sheets. Oh, Heech, you'll have to go, okay? You will have to leave me. Do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? I need you to leave this room. I need you to leave this house. Leave me! She screeched and sat up in bed, her crooked finger pointing at the door. And don't you ever cross that threshold again. She said, voice shaking. I could feel tears behind my eyes. But I did as she said. I left Bella Rose Mansion. And I never went back. I finished up at the university and my boyfriend became my fiancé. And then he became my husband. We spent the wonderful years of our marriage traveling the world together. I couldn't get Miss Bella Rose off my mind. For the first few months, I'd try to phone her, but she had had the phone disconnected. I tried to send her mail, but it was always returned to me. Time went on, as did my life. I had so many lovely years with my husband, and we never really settled down or made a family. I got a call from Burley one day and knew that it was my mother. She had been ailing for years, and it was one of those moments when the phone rings and you already know what the call is about. She died and left the old house to me and my husband. And after all those years, we made our way back to Burley to settle down. It had been at least 40 years, I think. I'd been to Burley to visit my mother on many occasions, but... I never once let my eyes rest on Bella Rose Mansion. I'd close them or look away, rather than bear the pain of looking at it. We moved into my old family home, and I sat in the chair by the window in the dining room, and I looked out across the garden path at the dilapidated mansion and the brown lawn and the decaying roses at the fence. I stared for what must have been days. I'm not sure how much time had gone on, when, down at the end of the lane, I saw a little old woman making her way up the driveway. I looked at the calendar and saw it was the last Tuesday of the month, and I looked back out the window, and there she was, Miss Bellarose, headed back from putting an ad in the local paper. Behind her, a little ways back, plotted the biggest white dog I'd ever seen. And I'd bet you $500. His eyes were as green as emeralds.
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's story as much as I did and as much as I enjoyed producing it. Uh, Thank you so much, Nicole. I've already bombarded poor Nicole with a bunch of questions about this story. I know she's in the Facebook group, um, so you can go to the discussion thread that will be up immediately after this is uploaded and maybe ask her a question or two yourself. Just know that that hound that followed our protagonist around Eleanor, that was Great Grandpa Henry, who did not get lost at sea, but he did get lost in another woman's bed, and now, well, you saw what happened. So, um, you can follow the show on Facebook, again, you can join the Facebook group, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Reddit, I believe that's all, it's all at at scare you to sleep if you want to find my personal profiles they're usually at shelby b scott um remember to send in those kids and teen episodes if you want to send in regular submissions same email scare you to sleep at gmail.com there's also a submission form on my um website scare to sleep.com i'll be over at spotify by october 8th i believe that's all for this evening so go get some sleep sweet dreams.